Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, uh, yeah. Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, everyone. Bloomberg Surveillance. Tom Keene and joining me now, Scarlett Fu. It's thrilled to have Scarlett uh, with us this morning. Scarlett, let's get right to the economic indicators. Economic indicators this morning brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer, RIA, that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com. To learn more, it's a quiet day. The market, U.S. manufacturing PMI later in the day. Next week, housing, 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 uh, with all sorts of good things like Case Shiller and even durable goods in there to give us an important GDP uh, tweak. Scarlett, I'm a major here in a week. Did you stay for the third period? I stayed until the bitter end because my son did not want to leave. But I made him leave before they announced the three stars of the game because I knew that there would be no Rangers who would be among the three stars. That's fair enough, right? Um, Tom, when I'm looking at the markets, what surprises me here is that you've got so many individual companies down in pre-market trading, Alphabet, Microsoft, on those disappointing results. Yet when you look at futures, they're kind of <clears throat> meh. They're, they're a little changed. Everyone's emphasizing the macro over the micro today. Yeah, the macro is 5 nothing Pittsburgh. I mean, for those of you nationwide, Scarlet really, Fu is a diehard Rangers fan. You really know fan. how to twist the dagger, don't die you? Diehard Rangers fan. And I might, I might point out, folks, that she dons the blades. And actually, what position do you play when you play women's hockey? <laughs> I've attended a couple of practices. I'm working on it. You're working on it. Yeah, that's that's a polite way to put it. Are you like Hornquist in front of the net for the Penguins? <laughs> you get in front of the net and just make it? Not nearly impossible? as effective. Yeah, I'm working on that. Okay, well, there's Scarlet Fu with their uh, hockey update. Of course, the Penguins, I guess they play Saturday, and the Penguins doing better than good. They they come down the ice quickly. Is, is Did you stay and watch the game? I or, watched were two you periods. Okay, two well, periods. yeah, that's probably all you needed to It's a different see. kind of hockey. For those of you that are not hockey fans, it's a wonderful time of year here in New York. Scarlet, it's a quiet tape this morning. It is a quiet tape, and uh, we want to bring in John Harriman of Mitsubishi UFJ Securities right now to talk to us a little bit about the eco data that's on tap that we've seen this week. John, I know that you've been looking specifically at jobless claims as this indicator of the strength in the labor market, and they continue to trend lower. It's uh, really remarkable, Scarlett, uh, that the patterns we've been seeing uh, for the last, I'd say, uh, two to three years. But when I look at this year, what jumps out at me is this. From a pure cyclical basis, the uh, the year 2016 is mirroring very closely uh, the pattern in jobless claims that we saw in the year 2000 and also in the year 1989. Hmm. And if, if you recall, those were years where the claims were so low, they were at the absolute end of the economic cycles for either the 1980s or the 1990s, and uh, it was only after, you know, uh, almost 10 years of economic growth that you're able to achieve such low level of claims. We're now tracking that remarkable performance this year. Are you saying so, we're at uh, maximum employment? No, no, no. What we're saying is there's a chance. There's a chance we may actually set a new, even lower record annu- an annual cycle next year. There's a chance. But here's what here's what's uh, peculiar. When if you go back in 1989 and in the year 2000, when we had had claims so low, 
uh, Chairman Greenspan, who was running the Fed at the time, got became nervous about this Phillips curve relationship. You know, this this the idea that very low unemployment leads to significant wage gains, which translates ultimately into uh, much higher core and headline inflation. So he became very worried about that. So he hiked rates. I would say just a little bit too aggressively in both of those episodes, and uh, mm. the following year after threw us into a recession. Hmm. So what I'm hoping, the way I pitched this as, and, and maybe in a, as I was on Scarlett's show uh, recently in the TV show recently, where I mentioned that I think Chair Yellen may be actually the right person right now for the job because she, even with such low-level right. claims, she may go very gradually and very cautiously on the rate hikes, unlike Chairman Greenspan, who previously had, okay. had moved rates up sharply and quickly, slowed the economy, and things unfolded. But we don't. none of us mm. want that. At this time. I, 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 I'll, I'll take your point. My okay, clear great. issue here yes. is the numbers are great, and all yes. my mail says these guys are nuts. John Herman's nuts, Scarlett Fu's nuts. <laughs> I don't care what claims are. I'm looking at my economy and my yes, town, yes. my village, my city. Let me yes. ask you the basic Yellen question. Is there slack in the economy? I think there's still slack in the economy, Tom, and here's why. From the year 2006 through last year, uh, there's a, a group of people in the economy called uh, – they're working age, but they're called not in the labor force. That, that group – Swelled to swelled by 17 million people from 20, 2006 through 2015. 17 million people, up to about 94 and a half, 95 million people. What we've observed for the last, I'd say, five months is that we're now the, the labor market is sufficiently tight where employers, when they go to hire, uh, they're actually even going into that pool of people. What's Called not only and pulling those people into jobs, and that has been something that uh, Chair Yellen argued back in 2011, 2012, that she was hopeful would happen. Uh, and now we're finally, you know, seven, you know, five, six years later, finally starting to get that. So if I was Chair Yellen, I'd say, okay, look, uh, you know, I, w- I was on the hook five or six years ago. I was looking for this kind of pattern where the economy would strengthen enough. We would start drawing down that reserve, uh, that surplus pool of workers, as Karl Marx used to call them. We used to start drawing them down, bring them back into labor, help their families, help the economy, give the economy a little more resilience, a little more depth. We want some depth to the growth process here. Give it a little more strength. And and, she, right. and she's getting it. So if she goes slow, I mean, I know, you know, every once in a while we get Vice Chair Fisher on saying, oh, he's worried about wage growth. He's worried about the tightness of the labor market. He's worried right. about the Phillips curve. And you, you just don't want to overreact the way we did in 1989 or 2000, push these rates up too fast right. too soon, and then slow us down. We're okay. just giving ourselves enough. Well, let's do this. Let's come back with John Herman of Mitsubishi UFJ uh, with us this morning on the oddities of the labor. I get, Scarlett, we get tons of mail. On this, with incredible jobless claims. There's no other way to put it. Futures up two. Dow futures up ten. This hour of surveillance is brought to you by BMW Mount Kisco. Visit BMWMountKisco.com. Let's bring in Michael Barr with national and international headlines. Michael? Scarlett, Tom, thank you very much. President Barack Obama is in the U.K. He's having lunch right now with Queen Elizabeth. President Obama has also waded into the heated Brexit debate. President Obama, in an op-ed piece in The Telegraph, urged the U.K. to stay part of the E.U., saying the E.U. does not moderate British influence. It magnifies it. London Mayor Boris Johnson bristled at President Obama's suggestion, saying the U.S. does not follow its own advice. The United States would not dream 
of subjugating itself in any way to any other international jurisdiction. Uh, they won't even sign up to the International Criminal Court. Britons will vote on the Brexit in June. President Obama is set to become the first sitting president to visit Hiroshima, Japan, since an atomic bomb destroyed the city during World War II. According to the Nikkei Business Daily, President Obama would be accompanied by Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe after Japan hosted G7 summit in late May. Earlier this month, Secretary of State John Kerry visited Hiroshima. An autopsy is scheduled for today for pop icon Prince. He was found dead in his suburban Minneapolis home at age 57. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Scarlett, Tom? Thank you so much, Michael. It is time now for the Land Rover Persephone Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Let's bring in John Stashauer. And, John, you're going to start with the Rangers. The awful game last night, down 5 nothing. The Rangers trail 3-1 in the series. It's a must-win on Saturday. Yeah, you were there, apparently. You, I was you, there. It was painful may, to the very end. Yeah, maybe the only one still there at the end. Well, look, the Rangers knew they were facing a hot team. Penguins won 14 of their last 16, but it has been surprising how one-sided the series has been. Penguins winning game four, 5 nothing. First time the Rangers have been shut out in four months. And a Ranger team that went nearly four months without back-to-back losses now trailing three games to one, facing elimination, their coach Elaine Vigneault. Well, it's definitely, you know, out of character for this group to come up with uh, this type of performance. Uh, I, I don't think it was a matter of lack of will. We just picked a very bad night to have a very bad game. So bad that Vigneault had to bench Henry Lundqvist second period. Game five in Pittsburgh, 3 o'clock tomorrow. Tampa Bay scored late, one nothing over Detroit to win the series. Anaheim won at Nashville. That series tied at two. Chicago double overtime win at St. Louis to stay alive. Islanders have game five at Florida tonight. The Warriors able to win once without the injured Steph Curry, but not again. Houston on a game-winning hoop from James Harden won 97-96. Golden State still leading 2-1. to Didn't lose back-to-back games all season. Toronto and Oklahoma City both won for 2-1 series leads. Another loss for the Yankees. Failed to get an extra base hit. The normally reliable bullpen gave up five runs over the last three innings. Oakland finished a sweep 7-3. Yanks have lost seven of the last eight. The Cubs won 16-0 at Cincinnati. They out-hit the Reds 18-0. A no-hitter. For Cubs ace Jake Arrieta with the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. I'm John Stasher. John, thanks so much. Yes, we'll continue our discussion here on Penguins Rangers hockey when Scarlett is remedicated. <laughs> Five nothing. You have to keep repeating that, don't you? Yes, I do. I thought it was fair. I think the Penguins are playing like LA Kings. They just come down. That's the ice. another painful memory. That they you're come down up. the ice very, very fast. Yes, they certainly That's how did. I would. They, they skate forward. Aggressively, unlike a few other teams <laughs> in hockey. John Herman with us, Mitsubishi UFJ. We'll uh, continue our uh, discussion here. Oil, 43.51 a barrel. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. The sports report was brought to you by Land Rover Persephone. The spring sales event is happening now. Visit LandRoverPersephone.com. Land Rover, above and beyond. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
And I'm Perrin Moscow. This update's brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. A busy morning for earnings. McDonald's posting first quarter profit that beat analyst estimates with all-day breakfast and McPick value deals fueling a resurgence in its U.S. business. Its shares up 1.8% this morning. General Electric is lower. It's down 1.1%. It reported a sharp sales decline in oil and transportation as its transformation around industrial manufacturing hit up against a sluggish global economy. Caterpillar cut its forecast for the year. Its shares are down 2.2%. Honeywell beat. Stocks are falling Commodities retreating as investors wound back enthusiasm that it sent gauges of both to this year's highs earlier in the week. The yen dropping as the Bank of Japan weighs the possibility of offering negative rate loans to banks. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures, little change this morning. Dow E-mini futures down two and NASDAQ E-mini futures down eight. The DAX in Germany is down half percent. Ten-year Treasury down 5.30 seconds. The yield 1.87 percent. NYMEX screwed oil up seven-tenths percent or 32 cents to 43.50 a barrel. COMEX gold is down two-tenths percent or $2.60 to 12.47.60 an ounce. The euro, $1.1258. The yen, 111.06. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Tom and Scarlett. Uh, Karen, uh, thanks so much. It is, folks, on a Friday, 848 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Ramesh Panuru, a columnist for Bloomberg View. Donald Trump says that Republicans want to slash Social Security and Medicare and that their approach will cost them elections. He's right that these programs are very popular. That's why Republicans have been careful in their approach to them. They don't want to cut Social Security benefits from their current level. They want to slow their growth. The leading Republican proposal to change Medicare guarantees that senior citizens will face no increase in out-of-pocket expenses and the Congressional Budget Office says it will actually cut those expenses. Trump provides no realistic alternative for making Social Security and Medicare solvent. Cutting waste, fraud, and abuses, he promises, cannot possibly make up Social Security's $10 trillion shortfall, nor would raising taxes on the rich raise nearly enough money. We face an inescapable trade-off. Either we raise middle-class taxes to keep middle-class benefits rising, or we rein in the growth of those benefits to keep those taxes down. While either choice carries political risks, for Republicans, standing for entitlement reform is the better option. I'm Ramesh Panuru. For more view, please go to BloombergView.com or view Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Michael McKee in Florida. He is off to do a panel. Scarlett Fu picked a short straw. If we said if the Rangers won, you didn't have to come in. She's here. She'll be here all weekend. <laughs> playing. John, uh, John I'll have Herman to pay penance next week, too. Yes. Uh, John Herman, Mitsubishi UFJ. With us, John, there is a consensus belief. Yes. That the first quarter was moldy and it yes. will get better. Yes. I don't Correct. hear that consensus from you. What what's uh, what's uh, the no, no, path no. to decent economy? Okay, so I uh, you know, we well we been forecasting for a long time and we continue to forecast is uh, the economy's potential, the, the average growth rate that we're running is very close to 2%. And that's just uh, productivity gains plus labor force growth. And unfortunately, both of them are significantly slower than what we observed over the last 40 to 50 to 60 years, unfortunately, this time around. We can do some things in, in the government, we can do some things to change it, but until we do those things, uh, we continue to forecast around 2% growth on average. 
uh, not just this year, but uh, for the coming for 2017, also 2018. So, um, so we do have we have an inventory correction in the first quarter. Un- unfortunately, we also have a, uh, a ballooning foreign trade drag. Uh, so our exports are slow because the rest of the world is slow. But we're also we're not manufacturing as much stuff at home that we consume that we used to. So we have to import this. You know, we have to import those goods. So in general, soft first quarter definitely uh, we're above the street on second quarter bounce and uh, probably and I think also a little bit above the street on the third quarter bounce and then we look for a fourth quarter just a little bit below the street. So on average though around two percent this year, uh, 1.9, 2% this year, about uh, 2%, 2.1, maybe 2.2 next year. But again, right. some of the keys is this: if you can just keep this labor you know labor market growing and not overreact, don't don't get you know looped mm-hmm. into this sort of academic argument over the Phillips curve and wage huh. pressure and so on. Just don't get looped in. Go patient and slow. You know, we we this is this recovery is more like a marathon. It's not a sprint. So what we you know in, right. in previous recoveries in four, five, or six years, we had super strong gains in income. Everybody felt good. Consumer confidence was roaring. People would borrow and so on. This time it's been very moderate, very slow, painstakingly slow. So this time it has it's more like a marathon. You've got to just grind but John, it out. And hopefully, hopefully the expansion lasts another four years. Here's then, the thing. Yeah, we yeah. have this pattern now developing uh, since the financial crisis where GDP yeah, growth yeah. in the first quarter is a little bit subpar. Uh, Deutsche Bank right. actually included this in their recent note where the first quarter on average you see eight-tenths of one percent growth. In the yeah. second quarter you get average growth of about 3.1 percent, four times right. stronger than the first quarter. What's going on there? Uh, some of it was some seasonal adjustments that the government was not in, in, correctly incorporating. Or, and uh, But what we're getting this time around is they've, they've tr- attempted to correct for it. But what we're getting this time is we sort of have a double whammy hitting in the first quarter. We had an overbuild of inventories all last year when the dollar strengthened and companies brought in a ton of inventories inexpensively. And now we're just uh, in the fourth quarter and this quarter we're trying to correct them where, you know, bring these inventories down uh, – you know, burn them off, so to speak, and bring things more into balance. So we have that extra drag. But what is also uh, something to be mindful of is is this. Uh, you know, business capex spending is uh, very soft. Chairman Greenspan's been talking about this. We've been talking about it. Uh, it's been really soft the entire decade, and it's been the worst recovery in business capex uh, on you know since the early 50s. And Chairman Greenspan says in his lifetime, which puts it back into the 30s. So this is very very bad. And we see we see capex spending on, on equipment this quarter negative, sharply negative, mm-hmm. minus 2.5, minus 2. This is you know officials in Washington have to ask themselves: We're seven years into a recovery, and businesses are still unwilling to commit capital to commit. Their finances to you know investment on on either equipment or structures lasting 15 years. They have to ask themselves why are they unwilling to make this commitment? Right. And it's not the key for a really good growth. You need you need to have this. And and unfortunately, when I talk to officials in Washington, they're not really glued in on this. And they're not uh, doing the soul searching. And they're not doing their real job. And they're not doing the real job on this on this matter. But until we get more consistent, more robust, um, you know, more passion out of businesses. Uh, you know, we're going to stay and unfortunately stay in this kind of 2% average growth rate John. where, you know, first quarter is a little bit on the soft side and you got to bounce in second and third quarters. Right. And that's where we're at, unfortunately. So given all that, there will still be people who look at what, what the economy is going through and point that the Federal Reserve 
We'll look mainly at the market reaction and how it's performing. And yeah. of late, it's, things have stabilized, right? Conditions, right. Financial conditions have eased. Stocks are right around their best levels of the year. Does the Federal Reserve sound more hawkish as a result next week because of this stabilization? I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you, you know, you're going to have many different voices on the FOMC, but I think uh, Chair Yellen is going to have kind of a steady hand here. And I think, you know, she in the last several months has said, you know, not only we're just concerned about the financial conditions and so on, but we're also concerned about the global growth, the impact that the strong dollar is having on our exports, on our manufacturing activity and the like and so on. And I think she's going to have a steadier hand, and I don't think she's just going to flip-flop on the basis of, you know, a six-week rally in stocks and that kind of thing. I think she's going to have a more consistent hand, and at least that's what I hope she does, because if she does that, I think we can achieve, you know, even more gains in stocks, for example, but also get the economy going a little bit more, help the job market go, hopefully get, you know, wages Mm -hmm. up just a little bit more this year, next year, and so on, give consumers and businesses a little more confidence, and, uh, you know, maybe we start to see, you know, some borrowing and an investment. But, you know, right now, this, you know, consumers cautious this first quarter. I, I think the savings rate's up in the first quarter. You know, yeah, I, that's, how, yeah. that's how cautious people are. It's it, unbelievable. I, I think you're totally right. Where does the savings rate go in the next three months is a, unbelievable. a big deal. John Herman, thank sure. you so much with Mitsubishi you, uh, UFJ Scarlett. It has been a most interesting first quarter. We're now, what, two, make it three weeks into April. And yeah, about 10, I don't 12 percent of the S&P 500 companies uh, have reported so far. Well, there's the there's the reporting, which has been – I haven't seen a good sum of that, but it's been a little soggy, to say the least. Lackluster? Yeah, but um, what, what, what I would point out, certainly it's too early to have any handle in the second quarter, but one of the reigning debates into this weekend is, is when does the flip occur? As we migrate from the first quarter into this quarter, it's still the same. It's this turn. Yeah, there is. And Tracy Allenway and I were saying on uh, Bloomberg uh, Television yesterday that as the U.K. companies begin really reporting in earnest as well, you wonder to what extent some company executives will start blaming Brexit concerns as reasons why their sales or their profits are not doing as well. It's kind of like a Y2K cover all excuse. I don't know if it's an excuse or not, but you wonder whether you'll start to get that uh, kind of explanation in the in the earnings. Yeah. And of course, look this weekend to Bloomberg News coverage of the president's trip, not only to Saudi Arabia, but of course, in England right now, uh, visiting the queen. And of course, the uh, strong idea that, that uh, of his op ed in the Daily Telegraph, the Telegraph as well. He will move on to Germany uh, after his visit. Uh, in England. Uh, futures <clears throat> up one is a churn of the market. NASDAQ futures actually right on the screen. Ten-year yield up a basis point, 1.88%. The two-year yield has been a big shift this week. We're out to 0.82. Higher yields really across the curve. Uh, higher oil prices. Brent crude 45.10 a barrel. Scarlett Fu and Tom Keen, another hour of Bloomberg Surveillance. <laughs> 